Hello, welcome to the Derp's Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk to you a little bit about uh, Zoetti. Before we do that, a bunch of the folks at home, what is we doing on this podcast? On this podcast, we talk about the Fast and Furious films, but we're taking a little break to, to talk about games. <laughs> you know, on this podcast, we talk about games, and this is a pretty unique one, right? Um, so obviously I'll just start with the disclosure. I worked on Zoody. I picked, we signed Zoody probably like a year, a year and a half ago almost. <coughs> um, and it is now, it is now out. Uh, I'm super obsessed with the game. Honestly, even after it being out, uh, I'm still pretty obsessed with the game. Rachel was making fun of me over the weekend because, uh, I was just playing on the Switch just because, like I was just hanging out with people. And we were hanging on the couch in front of my TV, and I was just like, why don't I just start playing Zoetti on the Switch? And that's exactly what I did. Um, and uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm obsessed. I have to talk about this game, Mango. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I have been playing since launch as well. Um, similarly, I had a trip. Um, I believe we talked about Mayhem Con. <laughs> um, shortly after it came out, I was like, you know what? I got a Steam Deck, so I loaded it up on my Steam Deck. And uh, when I was had time between games, I was playing on my Steam Deck. Um, uh, Arahe wants to clarify in the chat uh, that she was making fun of you for bringing the Switch to the Red Fair. Listen, there were a lot of tweets this fucking weekend. I also brought the Switch to the Red Fair, and I also played some Zoetti at the fucking Red Fair. Okay, you guys? I admit it. Okay. <laughs> it's thematically appropriate, <laughs> right? It's like vaguely medieval themed. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, but yes. Um, you know, it's a game. Um, I guess. I, I mean, I, I have not beaten all four scenarios yet um, because the game is. We'll get into this. I, I think the, the game has <laughs> has roguelite difficulty, right? Which is like, yeah. you know, sometimes you're on and sometimes you're off. Um, and uh, it takes a little bit. And there's there's some things you can do to curve that. But it is it is a, you know, truly like, you know, like the truest roguelites random, right? Um Basic overview. It's kind of like a, kind of like Slay the Spire, except the cards are card or the the cards you get in your hand are like normal playing cards. And you use them to build hands, um, and you play those those hands to, to do stuff. Um, yeah, like so, and, and it follows poker rules, right? So two pair, uh, full house, you know, flush. There's a little bit of um, I don't know. There's a little bit of uh, uh, like variation in there technically, um, but uh, you yeah. know. Like, Generally speaking, a like the mo the more powerful abilities are going to be the ones that are rarer, right? Uh, like everyone's capstone is a straight flush, right? Your your straight flush is super powerful, and it's generally speaking something you're going to want to cast if you draw into it. Yeah, um, and just to be clear, like uh, like the the first character, Valerina, right, or something like Valentina, that. yeah, Valentina. Um, she has a hand that's a mini flush, which is a three card flush, and I believe the the other, the combo character has a three card straight, which is a mini straight. Yes, yeah, Alvis has the mini straight, um, <coughs> and then also the decks are not true fifty two card playing decks, right? So um, Valentina's deck is, I think it's one through seven or something. It's like one through seven. Um, of all four suits equally, uh, but Alvis, you know, honestly, I could just literally look this up. Um, but Alvis, it's a little bit different um, because his deck is loaded towards spades and clubs. He has more spades and clubs than he does hearts and 
um, diamonds. diamonds. Um, and he has some. Uh, oh God, how do I look at this? How can I see this on my now that I have it open? Uh, I did not think this through. I guess um, he has. Uh, he has doubles of ones and twos and threes. So it's pretty easy for him to make one pair, for instance. It's much harder for him to make a straight, um, for instance, right? <laughs> Not that he makes real straights. He makes, um, or a flush would be a better example of this. Um, uh, so yeah, the, the different characters all have different kind of contours to the way that they play. Um, Nicara, the mage, has only three suits, I think. I don't think she has all four suits. Um, but, or she has a reduced amount of two suits. She makes flushes really easily, um, but it's very hard for her to make a straight because she has one through ten, um, of some of those, of some of those suits. So when you're trying to draw into, um, when you're trying to draw into a straight, you can run into these issues that are... Bad, tough to deal with. Uh, Arahi asks in the chat if uh, you can customize <laughs> your deck eventually. I feel like I saw something like that that I've never touched. Uh, I think that's just a localization error. I think okay. I know what you're talking about. You're talking about it says it says create a deck. I think that just means this is what your deck is um, in like the start menu. Okay. Maybe one day you can customize your deck. I I don't know. That feels like it might be broken. Um, but uh, but yeah. Um. If I have, that's a great time to bring up my biggest criticism of the game, which is uh, the localization. Um, uh, it is very what's what's the the proper term for this now? Uh, like it's uh, not even Euro. It's like it's like Asia, Jake. Well, I, I mean, technically, uh, the, the classic term would be English, but I don't know if we're we're allowed to say that anymore. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I guess that's true. Um, also, real quick, buddy, it sounds like you might be speaking through the wrong mic. Oh, you're right, I am. Um, but yes, the... And it's not, it's not like, you know, it is not like, you know, uh, Chinese knockoff t-shirt bad, which is like the, the, the kind of classic, but it is, like, hard to follow some things, descriptions are not great, um, some things that are flat out wrong, like, after last last the last cast i asked buddies like how do i sell items because one of the accessories i got said you could sell items for 250 percent cost i'm like i didn't know i could sell items turns out you yeah. can't that's just like a it downside. makes things cost 250 percent extra at the store yeah there's a lot of stuff like that uh the the tooltip for evade is like it like shuts down my brain trying to read it right because like when you understand evade like you, you, when you play with it a little bit, you understand it intuitively. Basically, the way the way evade works is it will block up to ten points of damage per stack, right? Um, but if it cannot block all the the damage, then it doesn't block anything, right? So if you have three stacks of evade and you take thirty five damage, you're you're taking full thirty five damage. If you had thirty stacks of armor, you would take you would take five damage, right? Your 30 armor would, would absorb a piece of that hit. Um, but if you have three stacks of evade and somebody attacks you for one damage each, you would lose all three stacks because each stack would, would absorb one damage, right? Um, and I think evade is cool. I think evade is really interesting um, because it makes for some really complicated sort of um, puzzles to sort of solve, right? Like, oh, how can I buff myself so that I can go over top their evade? Right? Or 
you know, the other way. How can I send some small damage to get rid of their stacks of evade before I punch through with a with a much bigger, more powerful hit? That kind of a thing, right? Um, but the tooltip is like impossible to understand because actually writing that out is just really complicated and hard. Uh, yeah, like, and then you write that out and then you translate it into English. Like it took me like a minute just to explain the concept in colloquial talking, right? I don't know how I write a tooltip to do that any better. Yeah. Um, on top of that, like there, there's other things like that too. Like I still don't quite understand how freeze works. The way it works for me in practice is like, if I have stacks of freeze, I stop attacking until it falls off. Um, <laughs> you all, freeze is actually more straightforward. Freeze reduces your attack by one and by 5%. Okay. Is, is that all that, 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 because the blob of text attached to it is not super super clear. Um, uh, it's like in like decreasing by one percent or so. So like it, it has it has some confusing language in there. Is what I'll is what I'll say. And uh, but like essentially, whenever I get it, it's like oh, this is enough. Like um, there's some like really interesting interplaying elements here, right? Like one of the standard uh, kind of. There, there are two standard debuffs. It's like one cuts your attack by 25%, one cuts it by 50%. But there's also strength down, which kind of like is like a flat, like instead of the percentage down, it's a, it's a flat down. And usually that's, um, usually that like if you're doing big hits, that's no big deal. Whereas if you're doing a lot of little hits, it, 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 it's a big deal. So that's an interesting thing to play around with. Also like, you know, like the buff creativity, I will say is, is, is very high, which is a shame for a game that has translation problems because explaining the <laughs> concepts behind the, the buffs and debuffs uh, is tough. Um, uh, overall, I, I, I enjoy the game. Um, I've been playing a lot through a lot of it, but um, the only... Th so th there was, there's a thing that... Um, I, I can't decide how minor it is, which is there are places you can get to in the game where you have lost the fight at fight start. Um, and you have to kind of have a variety, like, um, and it might just be energy shield, um, which is what I'm really talking about here, right? Oh, like, I know exactly what you're going to say. I love this, but yeah, go, go for it. So, so like I have had a run stopped because I was doing all big damage attacks and like even in places where that's not optimal, you can usually force through that. And in other roguelike games, right? Like you could have, you can have fights that you have a non-optimal strategy to do, but you can still fight through. If you have an energy shield opponent and you're using, like, I was running, I was running essentially an armor stacking build that used the, the, the shield bash skill to, to do big deeps. But because I had on my one card skill the, uh, the shield, um, I, like, I hit, like, a standard energy shield enemy. I just couldn't break through two shields and kill him, right? Like, he was, and he had, like, some sort of stacking deep, he, he had a debuff on me that was just, slowly whittling me down and I, I couldn't do anything about it. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily like a terrible thing. It just feels bad because that's like a, like ever since I had that, I always have like, like my straight on Valen uh, on uh, Valentina, right? Yeah. Uh, my straight on her is, is the multi-attack one. Cause it's like, I need that. I need that in case I run into one of these enemies and... No, that's absolutely... I, I hit that exact same issue. I love the armor build. Uh, the armor build on Valentine is probably my favorite way to play this game. Maybe. I don't know. There's there's some other builds that are also very fun. Um, but yeah, that's a real thing that you can run into where... Um, uh, you know, like, if an enemy gets armor, 
if you have a powerful enough build, you can just outstrip that, right? If an enemy has evade, if you get a powerful enough build, doesn't matter, right? I can go through eight stacks of evade by doing 90 damage, right? Uh, but energy shield takes the whole hit, no matter what, every time, right? You can hit them for 500 damage, energy shield would plink that shit off without a, without any problem, um, which is why it is, you know, like, so, uh, so powerful, <coughs> but there are some brutal fights where, you know, there are, there are four stacks of energy shield every turn, and it's just like, how do I deal with this? And the answer is, you build, you build smarter. You build for, you build for that eventuality rather than, you know, the, the, uh, so kind of the other version of things. I, so I, I understand that it's just, it's just weird. Cause it feels like that's like the only one where that happens, right? It's not like the game is encouraging me to build like, like encouraging me to hold certain things in all cases, right? Like it's just you need a multi-hit attack to deal with energy shield. It feels like, and maybe because I've only done the first two scenarios, there's another one that's that, that I need. Like, I feel like if I went all multi-hit, like if I went like a multi-hit build, if I don't know how easy that, I feel like that's a thing that Alvis might do, right? It feels like you don't have these problems because evade, which would be the counterpoint, can is, is still weak to multi-hits, right? Like um, the way you the way you make something that's uh, weak to multi-hits is, is something like strength down, right? But like strength down doesn't seem to be nearly as common or as sticky a thing, right? Like, there are, there are enemies that, like, will, like, I get this defense every turn, right? And you have to deal with it every turn. Um, and um, it's, it's, it's just... I don't know. It's, 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 I guess, I guess there, I, there are definitely enemies I think that, uh, punish multi-hit. So for instance, um, there, there's a bunch of buffs. There's like revenge where enemies get stacks of strength oh, each time they yeah, take damage. Yeah. Right. Those guys really punish the multi-hit builds. Um, the guys, you know, th there are dudes who do put, um, there's thorns, uh, there's people that do things like per yeah, hit, thorns. Right? Yeah. Uh, uh, and then anytime you're up against frost enemies, those guys are really tough to deal with in, in multi-hit builds. Um, it's also a question of, um, like, I don't know, it's kind of interesting because the ar the armor build is a very, I, in my in my mind, the armor build is a very unique build. Most builds are a couple of different offensive abilities, right? Sure. Um, including a, like a one skill offensive ability. And then, you know, you have a little supplemental. Here's my, here's where I get defense, right? Here's where I get my enhancement, right? <coughs> and you typically kind of have some mix of all three. Uh, but the armor build is the one that makes you go, oh, you want most of your stuff to be armor, right? Yeah. Uh, you want your single thing to be shield up. You want... <laughs> <coughs> your two your you know your two pair to be um you know tactical guard you want your full your full house to be <coughs> ashen dominance go on the offensive or armor mastery impenetrable defense i think is what that one is called um and uh and you only have one or two offensive abilities but i do think that there that that uh, interaction is like intended and in, in, like interesting right something that that is interesting about alvis have you played a lot of alvis no Okay, so Alvis's defensive abilities are debuffs mostly that he is putting on an enemy, right? He can give himself stacks of evade, which is a defensive ability, obviously, um, but he can also reduce the enemy's strength and cripple them, which cuts their attack value in half, right? Um, so a lot of the ways that Alvis protects himself is by inflicting those debuffs onto targets. Um, and if you don't have the proper balance of those, you will get blown out of the water in the exact same way you get blown out of the water by energy shield. So for instance, if I have only cripple 
um, as a as a debuff, which is the one that cuts it in half. Um, multi hits really really shred you because if I'm dealing if it, if I'm up against a guy who's dealing three damage five times and I and I hit him with a cripple and he's dealing two damage five times, it's still a bunch, right? He's still hitting you a bunch. Um, but if somebody is if I'm up against somebody who's dealing sixty damage, cutting. 30 damage off of that, right, by being able to cripple him to uh, to half strength is really useful, right? Um, and then in the opposite scenario, if you can inflict a bunch of temporary, you know, like weak uh, strength weakens, right, which is what drops their strength by one and reduces those individual hits, oh, with two, you know, like with two hits, I can make myself take zero damage on a turn kind of thing, right? But then I come up against a guy who's dealing 22 damage and it's just like, I can't deal with that. You know, like I have no, I have no good way to, to sort of deal with that. And I think that that's just sort of the nature of the roguelike, right? Is that, you know, you, you want to have a, um, I don't know, like a, like a diverse enough build that you can handle a variety of situations, but a, like a powerful, en in like magic, I would call this an engine, right? You know, you call this, uh, like the thing that your deck is supposed to do, you assemble the pieces of sure. your engine, right? Like the armor engine that is in Valentina, you need that to be powerful enough that you can defeat strong enemies later in the game, but you also need to be to shore up your weaknesses, right? In places where, you know, you have you have free kind of slots um, in order to defeat those enemies that, that are attacking you where you're weak. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, that, that absolutely makes sense. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and like, like I said, I think the game is, is overall, is overall good. It's just like, it, it just feels bad when you, when you hit a situation where you, where you can't, where you, where you can't deal with it, right? Like, when I, oh yeah. To to, com to compare, I'd say like when I'm playing something like Slay the Spire, right? Like it is hard to get to a point where like, like there are fights that are tough and might kill you, but it feels like with a little bit of luck and a little bit of like careful play, you might be able to survive the fight. Whereas like there are like dead stops in Zoeti, right? Like like there was a there there was a run that I like straight up gave up on in Zoeti because I'm like oh oh I'm not going to I'm not going to be able to get through this. Right, and you learn that lesson, right? But like that feels like, I don't know. I was thinking about this. It's like it's also one of those things where it's like, it feels like having one of. I, I guess because Zoeti just doesn't force you to discard any of your skills. It's not like it would be too powerful to let you like see what the enemies were and like customize your skills beforehand. Um, but uh, in general, it's you know, it's uh, it's yeah. It's, I think I also think that it is a that, that it is a game about. In a certain sense, it's almost like an RPG in this in this weird way, where you are um, you are putting your build together um, in the same way, like in WoW. I'll, I'll use talent points, and right. there's a certain amount of investment power that comes in that. Um, I one of the things that's tough about Zoeti is trying to pivot. If if you've ever had to do that, right, where you're midway through, you're not quite getting the stuff you're looking for, and you go, "Okay, fuck it, I'm going to." start making radically different choices to kind of pick towards a new a new build, right? Um, so it's pretty punishing about that, I, I would consider. And part of me thinks that is, to be fair, that's true of a lot of roguelikes. Um, yeah, I, I was going to say, like, like it, it's, it's like, weirdly <laughs> in the middle, because it's, like, not as punishing as some games I've played, but, like, those games, yeah. it's, like, well, the run's fucked, right? Like, I'm restarting, right? Like, you know, yeah. whereas, like... Yeah, I, I actually, to be fair, I, the thing I want to compare it to is Estrella, and in Estrella, it is literally impossible to ever get that off because 
your the whole point of that game is you are building a synerg I mean this is true for any deck builder, right? You are building a synergistic deck from minute one. So if I'm playing Astraea, Slay the Spire, uh Hearthstone, right, and I am picking synergistic pieces of my deck and I'm trying to go from, let's say, a dragon deck in Hearthstone to a Murloc deck, it's like good fucking luck, buddy. You half the you've already picked half your cards and they're dragons. You can't go back and change that. I'm sorry, right? Um the thing with Zoetti is the opportunity cost because you're you're making choices and investing in certain in certain kind of directions, right? Um, you know, if I'm if I'm spending my soul shards leveling up uh, my soul stone fragments, leveling up my armor abilities, but then I decide I'm going away from an armor build and into a charge build or something like that, um, that really fucks you, right? Because you're basically throwing away. 30 plus however many uh soul stone charges you've been you've been building up to this whole time yeah no i agree with that i get that i get that yeah um uh although although the game is pretty generous with like giving you upper level skills as you get towards the end yeah um so what yeah. what other things do you want to talk about with uh with this game uh man this is interesting i i, I wanted to talk about a lot about the third scene but i guess you haven't seen it so you did beat the second scene just now right yes yes right L literally okay. as you sat down i was like i need a minute and i i beat the, the second scene like 15 minutes after that so yes yeah so i think the thing that i found so addictive about uh zoetti is um the 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 power feels so good in, 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 like, a power fantasy way. And I don't know how to, like, really articulate this. Besides getting a fully stacked armor build together and then just going into some of these fights and stacking 250 armor in a turn, right? And just, like, blowing someone out of the water. That feels so fucking good, right? Or, you know, I mean, I've talked a lot about the armor build. There's some other versions of this. Um, so, Alvis has a build that's the drawing cards build, which is truly heinously stupid um because he has this one ability that discards his whole hand and deals damage equal to the number of cards that he discards uh, but it gives himself a buff and that buff is every time he draws a card for the rest of the game the match this this battle right he deals five damage to a random enemy and every time he shuffles his deck he deals 10 damage to all enemies right um and so the thing that you do there which is insane is you throw you throw your whole hand away. Next turn you draw a full a full fist of cards, right? And then there's a one card ability that he has called Swift Step that allows you to um, uh, discard cards in your hand and draw new cards in their place, right? So you can discard up to five cards um, and then draw new cards. And then so what you do is you discard your whole hand and then you use this one card ability over and over again because each each time you do you're drawing five cards out of your deck and so you're drawing a million cards you're shuffling a million times and you're just like mowing these people down with with procs right um but the interesting thing about the procs is and the thing that makes this so like crazy and fun in my opinion is you're getting around a lot of the 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 sort of um defenses or problematic uh buffs that enemies can have right so for instance thorns you know, which is a buff that an enemy could have that says every time you deal damage to that enemy, you take a certain amount of damage back, right? 
the thorns don't trigger because the damage comes off a proc. You're not dealing the damage directly. You're not directly attacking. You're just procking a bunch of damage onto them, right? Um, and there's other stuff that's like really brutal, right? Like, um, like have you seen Gash, like the bleed ability? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, double, yeah, okay. it doubles every time you hit hit, hit someone, right? Yes, it, it doubles every time you attack. So if all you're doing is drawing cards, you're never attacking and you're never increasing your cash. And that stuff, I just like, I don't know. It's just like super fun. Um, <coughs> um, and there's something to that power fantasy that I don't know how to like properly explain. Uh, but it like, it, it, it sucks like, you in. It feels like you're breaking the game. Um, and it feels like mm -hmm. you're doing it on your own genius, I think. And I think that's kind of like um, uh, the the kind of like there are games, right? Like um, traditionally, like I guess the JRPG space, right? Like like um, oh, what's the name of this? The there's like this famous JRPG where everything has like 10 billion levels. Um, let me see if I can if I can think of it. It's um, this is the D maybe. Uh, uh, it's it's got the the maybe the, the the pingus, Dragon Quest. No, no way, right? Uh, uh, hold on. Pretties. Um, it's from Disgaea. That's what I'm thinking of. So oh yeah, Disgaea. Dis yeah, sure, Disgaea sure, sure. is is a game that like you know the. the the end game of that is you break the game, right? And, but, like, the game is throwing challenges at you. I have heard this is also true of Strangers of Paradise, which I have not played yet. But, um, essentially, um, and Diablo kind of operates in this in this way, too, right? Like, um, you were building the most absurd build you can, and, like, the game is throwing challenges up against you that can take it. And so you have to break the game in order to win. And I think that that's... Uh, there, there's, like, a very, like, kind of number-go-up joy in that. But it's never yeah. go up joy that like isn't as brainless as like you know a, a cookie clicker or whatever, right? Like it does require some some smartness on your end. And I think I think Zoetti kind of harnesses that, right? Like it feels like ridiculous to be like ho 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 ho, right? Like like this last game I was playing, I was doing the armor build, um, and I had an artifact that like or an accessory is what they're called in this. You know, every time you spend or the first time you turn, you spend a one cost card you draw two right it's just like okay that's oh, like yeah, a pot of greed all right that's not what it's called but it is a reference to the Yu-Gi-Oh card pot of greed yeah and it's you know it's it's a great it's it, it's you know it's a great uh uh kind of engine along with things it's like you know, things that are like less directly impactful but it's like oh you know this this one uh implies debuffs every time you cast a bunch of like you know like this alvis thing you're talking about right it's like yeah deal 10 damage every time you cast a five card spells like okay well i'm casting armor master and it does 10 damage or like i have a ring that applies four poison at the end of the turn it's just like well even if i'm just stacking armor i'm doing i'm doing damage at some level right like um yeah i mean my current my, my current thing is i'm trying to beat inferno um in adventure mode which is sort of the like Adventure mode is sort of like the storyless mode. You cut out all the story stuff, and it pulls from all of the different um, regions, uh, like story, yeah, regions for like like uh, maps and enemies and bosses and that kind of thing. And uh, and my current build is is built on that. It's like every eight cards I spend on a defensive skill, I like. I freeze the enemy for a little bit and I deal a bunch of damage, right? To all enemies, right? Um, so it is just like, oh yeah, I can just chip away at you by armoring up and armoring up and armoring up over and over and over again. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, and I think I think that power fantasy is is like what makes it feel good, right? Is like you know you yeah. can just you can just fuck with stuff, right? Like you can do stuff that like clearly means to synergize. But it's like oh oh I see. Um, and let's yeah, and it, I do ooh, think how- that there's something about the level of mastery that you're getting at a little when you talk about like it's not just brain lift, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's like level like normal mode for me like has been a process of going from like you know. Oh, I click on the thing that highlights my my hands to like actually looking at it and like <coughs> picking the hand that I actually want to do right because like um, you know I can do a mini flush a couple different ways and if I do it this way I can also pull a different hand in here right and like you know and that's that that's that's becomes it's also like a, a neat learning curve right like you slowly ramp up your ability to like build hands which I think is which I think is super fun yeah I mean the one that I get into the, there's stuff that I'm doing now. Um, that I think of as like really advanced, but I think it's what the game supports, right? Which is like you using your card preview because you can actually see the next couple cards you're gonna draw, right? And so knowing, oh, hey, maybe if I draw this one card, I'll draw into my straight and I can do, you know, whatever other things, right? Part of part of the, the, the fun thing of that quick hands build on Alvis isn't actually just that you're spending the one card every turn, so you can make straight flushes. Because you're drawing so many cards and you can keep sifting. So you go, okay, I have the two, three, four of clubs. I just need the one, five, or the two of the one, five, and six, and I can do a straight flush, right? And so you start sifting down to get to your straight flush and you're looking at your previews in order to like make that kind of thing work, right? Um, and I think that's like, that's just like a level of mastery that uh, is really rewarding, I guess, to kind of get on top of. Um, plus, there's some other stuff that that's like that in other ways, right? Like arm, like like doing the math on armoring up, or um, actually, maybe a better example of this is temporary strength, right? So one of Valentina's builds is she can give herself a ton of strength for a single turn, right? And there's always a break point, which is okay. If I give myself eight temporary strength, right, I'm adding essentially 24 damage to my single cards. Um, So, for instance, my... Man, this is, like, hard to explain. Okay, let's say I have six cards, right? I have... Each each card deals 10 damage, right? And I have a... I have a uh, a thing that will that will do for for let's say three of a kind and it will give me temporary strength plus eight right technically it's actually a DPS downgrade for me to use that ability because I'm dealing sixty total damage with these cards now right but I would be dealing um God what would it be eighteen times three forty fifty no wait fifty four damage I'd be doing fifty four damage yeah. instead yeah. Um, and like, I, like, I know that that's just math or whatever, but it is really gratifying in order to see these lethals by essentially just being like, okay, I need to temporary strength. I need to juice my temporary strength twice, but, I, but that's it. Because if I go more than that, then I'm, then I'm passing by this breakpoint. Do you know what I mean? Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, Am I the only fucking person who finds fun in, in like doing these like really complicated math problems? No, I mean, and, and that's the thing too, right? Is it's like. <laughs> It's a lot of mental math, which, like, there were times, definitely times where I'm like, I wish I could just roll over this and see my total incoming damage so I know if I've got enough armor, right, instead of having to do the math mm. in my head. Um, but um, I, def- I definitely see what, you know, see what you're saying, right? It's like pulling out, like, the, the uh, 
you know, pulling out the calculator to figure out like what the uh, what the exact number is you need, right? Um, and like trying to do the permutations, that's uh, that that is that is super uh, super satisfying. Um, yeah, especially like especially because it's it's uh, like it's not like it's not like it's a. I think there's there's a level of satisfaction above and beyond when you know it's not a puzzle, right? Like. Like a like a, a puzzle in a puzzle game or like a lethal puzzle, right? Like you know there's a a, a solution spot, and so you you can do like oh I got to keep thinking until I think of it. You know, like a game like this, right? Like there might not be a lethal solution puzzle, but there might, and so it makes it more special when you figure it out. It's like oh I got it, right? And yeah, no, that is actually true. Like I. Just before on this call, I was doing these Inferno runs, and I was doing them in a big call with a bunch of people from the company. Um, <laughs> and <coughs> have you fought the deer? Did you fight the deer? Yeah, I fought the deer a couple times at, at PAX, but yeah, I also fought. Oh yes, deer. okay, yeah, the deer. Which to be fought, to be honest, the deer has fucked a lot of people. Somebody called out the deer in a Steam review. There's like I keep fucking losing to this overpowered deer. Um, I kept I kept rolling the deer in adventure mode. So okay, in adventure mode. You can pull any of the bosses, right? Um, and uh, I just keep, uh, I just kept running into the deer and dying. Uh, and then the last time I ran into the deer, and I'm doing this on Inferno, so everything is like way harder. Inferno is the highest level difficulty, right? It goes normal, hard, hellish, nightmare Inferno. Um, and uh, but I was able to win the battle with six health i was able to get out of it with six health and there was this one crucial moment where i was like if i use my straight here i can put him in lethal range and maybe i draw into another straight and i win right it's really my only out i don't have any other options um or i could just feebly defense up and i could armor through this turn but i just don't think i have a i have a version of things where i actually kill him right um, and that's exactly what happened. I, I used my straight and then the next turn I drew into another straight and, uh, and I was able to walk away with like six health. And it's like, that feels insanely good because it feels like, first of all, the, the deer is really strong. Um, partially because it puts the, the rend debuff on you. It says every time you draw a card, you take a bunch of damage, which is woof hard to deal with yeah. for any class in the game. Um, and Valentina, I think, has the easiest time of it because she has this huge health pool. She has 90 health, and armor is pretty good. Um, like, for instance, if you're going to be drawing in the middle of a turn, you can just armor yourself up um, and then draw into your armor, basically, which is not the worst thing in the world. Um, but also, I feel like <coughs> like if you armor ahead of time, you like, or at least, so, on normal at least, you don't ever have to deal with Rend if you don't ever let the deer touch you, right? Like, this, oh, is, yeah. this is actually my biggest problem with, like, I've played a little bit of Alvis, is, like, Valentina has taught me to, like, never take damage, right? And so, like, Alvis is like, I don't, this is not working, it's not working, it's like, I'm done, I'm done with this, I'm gonna go play, play, play my armor, my armor character again. Well, yeah, so th that's the interesting thing about Alvis, though, because Alvis's defense is, is weirdly offensive, right? right. With, with Valentina, you are increasing your own armor by a bunch um and so it's almost like uh it's almost like a like a like a turtle strategy right, right? um uh alvis is like a saboteur kind of strategy right he is reducing the incoming damage to zero and that's the way that you don't take damage if you know you want to but i but like alvis and nicara are both like harder I, I i think they are in terms of ascending difficulty um because have you have you played any nicara i haven't unlocked nicara <laughs> oh Nicaragua is really interesting because 
She uses energy shields, which is good, obviously. Right. Uh, but she only has 40 health, which means, like, you can just get blown out of the water sometimes. Um, and energy shields are a real premium. Like, you'll spend three cards to get one energy shield, and that's, like, a pretty good deal. Um, but, uh, you know, she has other defensive tools. She has, uh, she, the, the cool thing about Nikora, she can stun all of, all of her damage is elemental damage, right? So if you do three instances of lightning damage to a target, you stun that target for a turn. So if somebody's going to hit you for a ton of, you can just be like, ah, oh, nope, I'll stun you out, right? Um, and then she also uses frost damage, right? So if you're taking a bunch of little hits, you can you can use frost damage to whittle their attack down to zero. Makes um, sense. But, uh, but yeah, it is definitely, oh man, it is hard. I, I actually have yet to beat the game on either Alvis or Nikora, um, but I, I've certainly been, I've certainly been trying. Um, man, I want to talk about, I want to talk about that third scene, but I also don't want to like spoil it for you in a way. Yeah, no. I, so, so I, again, and, and not to not to shit too hard on you, but like, I also feel like I'm going through and I'm reading these storylines. I'm like getting like shades of what I'm supposed to get of what's happening, right? Like, I just went through the second scene, and uh, one of the dialogue trees is like the Red Knight like yells at the drunk guy for being a traitor. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? I do not understand what is happening here, right? Like. I get some of it, right? Like, you know, I like I get that, like, the Blue Knight's the defense guy and the Red Knight's the offense guy, and there was, like, this band of them that used to be, like, the little furry guy and the blue guy, and I guess maybe the red guy because there's a connection between the fox guy and the drunk guy. But, like, it's, like... There is lore to all of this. I'm sure. Way, it's yeah. just, like, it's, it's, like... It is, like, more inscrutable <laughs> than, like, Dark Souls <laughs> because... Translation's bad, frankly. Okay, so can, can I, are you reading the dialogues in the in the inns? Yeah. Okay. Is is this where this is happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. most of it, right? Like sometimes, like you'll run into like you know, the blue knight out in the field or whatever. Well, yeah, because because I I get it with event events are randomized, right? When you yeah. go to an event node on a, on a path, and like I've had this happen before, where I go to an event node that is kind of picking up a story in the middle, and you're like, what on earth, right? And part of it is that like story threads from scene one continue into scene two, right? Um, so like if you roll an event in scene one. That or if you don't roll an event in scene one, but you roll an event in scene two, you're kind of walking in in the middle of that in right. the middle of that that story. But yeah, there there is a story to uh, to Dolly the tipsy. I think it's like tipsy drunk man or something. Um, you you end up learning these people's names, obviously, but they are they are introduced to you as like serious foxkin, tipsy tipsy man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yes. Like it, it took me a little while to realize that like that's supposed to be like you know like a description until you figure out their names, right? Like, um, like, um, the otter or the weasel in like the barkeeper, he's like Mochi. And then it's like, his, his real name is like Wampus or something. And he's like, yeah, his real name is, I, it's not Winston. Is it Winfred? Winfred? Yeah. Winfred. Yeah. Uh, cause you find out that he's one of the astral envoys, right? Cause yeah. the story of Zoeti is that you are learning to be like one of the chosen of the God. You're doing this pilgrimage to these temples. Right. Um, and you're meeting the people, obviously rebel mommy, as she's known, um, the is, the, is the first yet yeah, Tommy mommy from the first or oh, yeah. Or fucking Gary. <laughs> Who's Gary. Yeah. The Gary is the, um, is the, is the hyena shopkeeper. Oh yeah. Um, that you meet in the towns. His name is Gary. He has a name. 
Uh, and uh, it's funny because like there's all these like fantasy names, right? Like Cornetius and uh, Jiseka, right? Alvis, right? And just fucking Gary. <laughs> it fits him though. Like when when he says buy money, that's supposed to be like him being like goodbye to the wallet. That like you know you know like he's calling you money, right? Like. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's... And then have you met uh, Mr. Edric, the uh, the toad? Oh, yeah, of course. Like he's. He, he's the toad in the wheelchair, right? That's like the... Yeah, the, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and he's got a daughter who's like a, you know, uh, who, who like wants to be a merchant just like her dad. But the dad is like, don't call me dad. Wait in front of yeah, the customers. Yeah, and then she has the duck. And the duck's name is Peaches because it looks like a peach. Uh, I don't know if you know that. That that might be secret lore. Yeah, Peach, Peaches the duck. Everybody went, went crazy for Peaches the duck on my stream the other day. Um uh, yeah, I, de I definitely understand what you mean about about the narrative. I liked piecing it together. There were some real plot twists in there. Uh, plot twists you probably don't even know. But like the thing with Winfred, where you first see him because he's the innkeeper and his right. name is Mochi or whatever. He's like holding a thing, and then he turns into his like crazy, insane, blessed by the gods form, right? And he's has this like giant frost chariot yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, like that was I, I remember the first time I was like, damn. Mochi got hands, right? Um, uh, but I just mostly like their like personalities. Like like Cornetius is a lot of fun because uh, you know he's just like super overconfident, and yeah. uh, I mean I don't know. I I guess I like I like them all for their own for their own unique reasons in a, in a way because you mostly what you're doing is you're spending time with the um, the four of them individually. Um, and then, and then the final scene is you're going to each of these temples, uh, and and you choose kind of the you you have to get the blessing of the four different gods, right? And you're choosing the order in which you go to each of the temples, and those four are astral envoys of their specific god before you go fight. Do you even have you have you have you heard of the term extinction fiend? Is yeah, that yeah, in the second yeah. Story? It's, it's, it's like okay. I think that's set up right. Like and yeah, yeah. I mean, and Edric tells you it's like. Everybody who has that thing dies, right? Like you know, like, um, like the the, the oh yes, the yeah, you have. the yeah, key, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess the thing that's like a little frustrating to me is I can't tell sometimes if it's supposed to be mysterious or if the translation's bad, right? Like, yeah, um, and that's 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 a little bit of a shame. I don't, I like, and also like, it has gotten better as I've gotten I've played the game, but like that early dialogue. Like, like, Rebel's dialogue is, like, cringy, right? It is, like, <laughs> cringe out of my skull cringy, right? Like, <coughs> um... I don't know, man. Everybody, Rebel is the one that everybody loves, so I, I'm sure, I guess. Yeah, well, ga gamers are cringy, how right? How like, you, yeah. I, I guess that's true. Yeah, I think the thing that people, um... I think she just has a strong personality, right? Um, you know, she's so horny, like, yeah. like I guess. <laughs> but, like... It, my, 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 honestly, my initial was like, this is like some like anime nerds, like what dream is like, ah, and then the demon lady says she's got to be got fart with me. Uh, technically she's not a demon. Okay. She's a goat person. Right. Right. Much. Because demons uh. are like, <laughs> or I think sheep technically, whatever. Right. Like she looks like a succubus. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's like someone, someone's like, you know, <laughs> I mean, this is, this, this is unfair, but it's like, you know, um, you know, it's like this is like Morgan, or definitely not Morgan, original character, right? Yeah. Like, um, yeah, Araya in the chat, Rebel is Bay. I love that Rebel is unapologetically horny woman and isn't evil. I feel like every Dami mommy is evil. Yeah, no, I mean, that's well, true. Yeah, well, she is working for the good guys, right? Right. Like, because, like, the. 
I mean, she she does kind of have those kind of like trade off things, right? Like she sucks your max health for for certain for certain trade offs, but um, the kind of archetype is the succubus, right? Like even even <sighs> even when the uh, the succubus is is like you know on your side, it's kind of like a deal with the devil, right? Like yeah, um, yeah. I think everybody has their own sort of version of that, right? Because Cornelius like throws you into the deep end. There's one fight where he like makes you. Um, uh, he makes you fight with the sandbags. Have you gotten to that fight? Uh, yes, yeah. I mean, I beat the first scene, so yes. Yeah, you can. There's there's different versions of this. Right? Oh, okay. Um, fight with the uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I fight. I like, yeah, because there's one where the, you fight with the sandbags. There's another one where he he like has a mo- he's like the scene is like he has a monster mostly defeated. Um, and then, uh, and then he feeds the monster to get it back to full health. He's like, okay, now you do it, right? Like, you know, he's also, in in story terms, kind of like putting you in um, similar sorts of situations. The, the, the sandbags is brutal. The sandbags is brutal because it gives you the choice between light sandbags and heavy sandbags. Right. And I always want to take those heavy sandbags because you get a better reward out of it, right? Right. Um, yeah. No, I mean, the, the big one for me with this is the hornets in, in the second scene, right? Like, because you can either just, like, stand still or you can like do multiple battles, like I this time around I didn't have armor master, so I was like, "There's no way I can like outlast those hornets. I'm just gonna go for the kills." It was so much easier, and I also think it had a better reward, like the fucking sword of protection. I didn't find like the peaches and honey or whatever it is. Um, oh well, that's random. The reward, yeah. Oh. No, but first of all, the sword of protection with the peaches and honey is. Hilarious. The peaches and honey is 999 gold, and it shows up rarely in shops or whatever. Um, but when you use it, it immediately does like 2,000 damage. I want to say, right? Just like instantly. It's like a, it's like a one shot, um, uh, which I have never gotten off, but I really want to now. I feel like there's an achievement for it, to be honest. Uh, but I don't actually know whether or not there is. <coughs> um, <coughs> but yeah, technically, the reward for outlasting the hornets is better than the one for doing multiple battles. Is, uh, is it okay? Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Um, I will say, like, I was satisfied with the sword of protection when I when I got it out, off of that. But like, um, you know, it, it feels like it feels like that fight, like the Outlast fight, is built for, um, you know, uh, an armor build, right? Where you just like stack armor and yeah. like pray to God that you know nothing gets through. Um, it, the, the interesting thing about that fight that I like a lot um, is doing it on characters who you because you can't do it on an offensively oriented character. But the thing is, you have to interrupt their chance. Right. right? Um, so one of the mechanics in the game is that, you know, they have these chants that say, um, uh, right, like it'll have like chant 20 and you need to deal 20 points of damage in order to interrupt their spell. Um, the thing that makes the Hornet so dangerous is that they will chant to increase their strength by a bunch. Um, so if you interrupt their chants, you can actually get kind of like get through it a little bit, sort of like weather the storm. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's hard. That 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 stuff is hard. And I feel like I always take the hard stuff. This, this is like my eternal curse, right? I never lose at the end of a run. I lose on like chapter two or three because I'm always opting into the hardest version of every fight, even if my build isn't quite ready for it. Um, and uh, and I'll you know sometimes just get blown out by fucking hornets and like you have to call it a day. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that, that's definitely fair. Um, I generally do the same thing, right? Like it's like I, I I choose the harder option unless like I know what's coming. Like that is the nice thing about like you know the bosses at the end is like you know what they are and so you can anticipate them a little bit and do a little bit. Uh, oh yeah, I mean everybody talks about the I think it's called jumper, 
the guy with revenge, the little raptor with revenge. Um, I don't think I've seen him. Uh, he's a little raptor with revenge, and he does a three-turn cycle, right? And the first turn is he hits you for, like, ten damage three times, and then three damage five times, and then no damage at all. He buffs himself, right? But the thing that's important is he has revenge. So every time you deal damage to him, his attack goes up. And I feel like I have watched so many people kill themselves because they just kind of attack willy-nilly into him. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh my God, he's going to do so much damage to me. But then you come back and you go, okay, well, you wait, wait. You hit him on that yeah, third yeah. turn where the temporary strength doesn't matter, right? Um, or you have other sorts of, you know, like I've done this a million times where you you charge up for a big one big hit instead of hitting him for a bunch of times for like little damage, that, that kind of thing. There's like a, there's like a bunch of different iterations of um, you know of how that works. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, um, I mean it's it's a simple game, but it's very very satisfying. Um, yeah, I man, I I just wanna I just wanna say on the third map. Okay, the, we'll, 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 this is a little preview. On the third map, the thing that I'm talking about about being super powerful really kicks into gear because you're fighting the Extinction Fiend, right? It's like the most powerful thing. The whole story is that like yeah. the Extinction Fiend has been f sealed away. The fiends, the like little demons running around can't break the seals, but a human can. And you find out that there's a, a half-human, half-fiend who is using his human side in order to break the seals. Um <coughs> <coughs> The thing in the third story map is you need to do every dialogue option because the dialogue options in the third story map give you bonuses. They give you power-ups, right? It'll give you items. It'll give you accessories, stuff like that, right? Um, so when you face off against the Extinction Fiend, you are way more powerful right. than in any of the other scenes because like you're getting all this extra you know like you're getting all this extra stuff plus the temples that you're going to in order to like gain the blessings of the gods um all of those have big rewards in them as well or whatever um and to me that's the thing that like made zoetti go to the ne like the next level of just like oh my god i can't the 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 power fantasy of having a long run is here and that's and that's where it, like it comes from yeah, no, that, that makes total sense. A question for you: Does adventure mode is it endless, or is it, uh, or does it have like a? a, a... It's not endless. Uh, it's six stages, just like okay. regular um, Zoetti. Um, it is much more fluid, though. So, for instance, you have a sense for the different gods, right? Like what, how the different gods work, what they what they do, their yeah. accessories, that kind of thing. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, like, for instance, uh, there's Denier, who is, like, the goddess of coins. Um, there is uh, Baton, who is the god, is the god of, um, like, defensive skills and, like, fire and stuff like that. Yeah, um, Epe is the god of attack skills and drawing cards and blades, that kind of thing. <coughs> In adventure mode, you have the choice. You know how, like, when you go to an inn, you get, a, you get the cute guide, Mistassa. She gives you... Like an accessory for free. Yeah, yeah. She'll just like give you an accessory. In adventure mode, you have a choice of what you get. Like, and a lot of the times you're choosing between the gods. You're like, oh, do you want a set of Epe stuff or a set of Baton stuff? Or do you want a, a, a Mistasa set, which is like the basic gear, right? Um, that kind of a thing. And so it means that you can actually make more flexible and varied builds in a way. Because like, you know, so for instance, for Alves... 
if you're if you're getting a bunch of Epe's stuff, that's really good for you because he has a lot of synergy with the card draw that is in Epe's accessories and items and stuff like that. Um, and so the the kinds of builds that you can make are different because you have more options available to you. Yeah, if that makes you have, sense. You have more choice. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then there's also hidden bosses and stuff like that, right? Uh, so for instance. Um, Honestly, the first time I lost my nightmarish run, which is the second to last difficulty, it's because I opted into the fucking hidden boss and I died. Uh, the hidden bosses are kind of spread throughout, um, but if you proc certain kind of like events or whatever, you can fight these hidden bosses. They are, they are insanely powerful, um, and uh, you gotta really—I don't know—you just gotta really be good in order to in order to beat them. And even that, a lot of the time, is not enough. Like. Um, uh, so yeah, the, 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 there's stuff like that, right? Where there are these hidden bosses, hidden, hidden things to do in adventure mode. Um, so yeah, but it's not truly endless. Uh, do you, do you think you would want to go for like a fully, truly like endless mode? No. Um, I, I just, you know, that's just kind of sometimes the thing that happens, right? Like you're, you're going the distance as far as you can, but, um, yeah. I don't, I don't think, I don't think roguelikes lend themselves well to that because you kind of want to feel like you finished, right? Like the first time I beat the enter the gungeon and the including like the end scene felt really, really good. Um, uh, and like I wouldn't want to try and do that with like I wouldn't want to try and do like you know like have a thing where like the floors just keep getting deeper, right? Like. Um, I was just curious. That 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 seems like it could be a thing. Um, yeah, yeah. It does feel kind of bad to like beat a run and then then start from scratch on like the next in the next scene, right? Like, I mean, it makes sense from a gameplay perspective, but it is kind of like, oh well. Um, like a week ago or so, I was like, I am tired of. I am tired of adapting. I'm going to restart my run until I get like a decent starting hand. Um, and that's the one that I went almost all the way to the end, um, but then I got killed by the last boss because of um, an interaction I think I was unaware of. Um, what do you know what the boss was offhand? It was so there was a little guy in the front and a big guy in the back, and uh, like a rabbit in the back? No, 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 like like a big like stone guy, maybe. Right? Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Okay, yeah, I do know that boss. Yeah, okay, I know that boss. And I know exactly what killed you, right? Because you said it was like 35 damage for over five hits or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's because that boss, the way that, that boss is sort of the opposite of the Raptor, actually. It's like, he spends two turns kind of charging up, and then he has this, like, insane Mondo hit. Um, and, uh, you know, and just, yeah, can blow that piece of junk out of the sky, as they say. But he did the Mondo hit on the first turn. Wait, really? Yeah. Like, I, oh, I, think, I think I think something different. I th my best guess as to what happened was is there was like a buff that I did not look at that was like buffs damage if you use an item, and I used two items immediately because it was like it was the last fight. Right, I'll use like my oh, I do know. Yes, that is exactly what he has. Actually, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> like I didn't even know that was an effect, and so I'm like, here is my first. Epic item that gives me 10 strength. My second one that, like, you know, <laughs> like, because they're all, like, you know, full yeah. fight buffs, right? And it's like, oh, okay. And then and then I look up and I'm like, holy shit. And then it's like, oh, oh, no. Oh, no. And then I died. <coughs> oh. 
Yeah, he gains five armor or five strength, I think, every time. Or charge, maybe? Maybe it's five charger, like every time you use an item. Yep, I know who you're talking about. Which is tough because item builds are really fun. One of the things that's interesting about the game is that you can have builds that like work between characters, even if they're not built for them. Um, and one of those is an item build, right? That is just you are you have a bunch of accessories that trigger off of using items. Um, first time I ever beat the game was with an item build, actually, uh, just because. It was one that I had seen the most because, you know, you you see it across your different things, which I always thought was pretty interesting, right? Um, like, I've never really seen that in a roguelike before where you can kind of create this, like, character agnostic build just by getting the right accessories um, or, like, looking for. At a, at a certain point, you sort of look for this stuff and you're like, oh, I'm going to get this and this and this, right? And then I'm going to get the stuff that gives me items every time I rest, for instance, because now... You know, every dumb little common item, every time I use that, I'm gaining a bunch of health. I'm dealing a bunch of damage. I'm drawing a bunch of cards, that kind of thing. Trash balls, man. Just. Yeah. Like, I don't. Like, trash balls are great for, like, killing energy shields, right? Like, it's. Uh, True. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it does. I do definitely suffer from the kind of, like, oh no, I need to save the item for the, the time. Um, I also don't know. My favorite thing about that is there is an accessory in the game that puts the opposite of punishes you. Rewards. rewards you. Yeah, rewards you for doing that because it deals damage at the start of the match based on the number of items in your like that you are holding. So you just hoard, yeah. right? Which is great because that's also it's also what I do a lot of the time. I just sit there and hoard. Yeah. No, I mean, and there's like the one that's like. You know, use this and spend all your coins to do a bunch of damage. <laughs> like, um, oh yeah, the sand hammer. Yeah, uh, yeah, I love that thing. I I once one shot a hidden boss because the hidden boss had two thousand health, and I had like eleven hundred coins or whatever. Because once I got the hammer, I just didn't spend any coins again. <laughs> I just kept them. I was like, I, one day I will need to destroy someone, and uh, that's exactly how that's exactly how I did it. <coughs> Greed is good. Yeah. No, uh, that works yeah. out. Um, yeah. But yeah. No. Um, do you have anything else you want to talk about with, with regards to Zoetti? <sighs> I don't know. I'm, I probably do. But you know what? We can talk about it in like the back half of future weeks because I keep playing it in my off time. Um, I, I'm like, it's funny because, uh, did I tell you about this last week that I had like the 0.1% of players achievement because I unlocked the max rank of Nicara and just like... I, it was launch week and nobody else had right. played the game as deep as me kind of thing. Um, it's funny to see some of that stuff kind of tick up. Like uh, uh, Lou, friend of the cast, Lou, uh, has a bunch of achievements now. I was like, oh, somebody, somebody's been going at it, right? Killing, beating the first, um, you know, beating the first story achievement uh, and like the first boss, that kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. I've, it's funny because <coughs> I had thought initially that I was going to talk a bunch about development stuff, but I don't even know what I would talk about. Um, the crystal slime used to be broken as fuck. Did you ever fight the crystal slime? Which one's the crystal slime? Uh, have you ever seen the crystal artillery thing where it just hits you for a bunch of damage at the beginning of the round, but every time you hit it, it shaves off one of the one of the stacks? Uh... It's in the very first scene. I feel like I have, but it's been a while since I played the first scene, so... Yeah, that thing used to be brutal. We talked about it constantly, and we made all of these memes about how Crystal Slime is really difficult to deal with. Uh, and it was I, I have the achievement for killing it, so yes. 
Yeah, the 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 original version of the crystal slime was the deer. Basically, it was harder than the deer, um, and uh, I think it, uh, the the part that part of the thing that's like difficult about the deer is like it'll have like five or six stacks of evade, and then like you know a sixty charge to like heal itself. Right? It's just kind of like, well, I guess you're gonna heal yourself then. Um, I ain't got shit to deal with that, but yeah. Yeah, that's definitely that's definitely real. I, the deer is uh I guess I'll just say this. The deer the deer is getting nerfed. There's a there's a big nerf patch coming down the coming down the pike and the deer is getting <coughs> excuse me, it's getting rebalanced a little alongside of it. Yeah, I so the thing that I always like the the thing that that is is you know, you always take like the risky option thing is I for the deer I always take the like um you know, attack it, right? Um, it feels like four of the last five times I've done that, I've like gotten the shit <laughs> under the stick. You know, fair enough. It's like from XCOM fucking percentages there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like ninety five percent really means like three percent to hit. Yes, absolutely. I know that. I know that very. Uh, I know that very well. I, I feel that for sure. God, now I'm like looking through the different bosses that I've killed. There's one or two bosses that I haven't done, but I don't know. Whatever. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Is there anything? Uh, is there anything else that I want to talk about? I guess not. All right. Uh, well, then tell me how your week was. Oh boy, what have I been doing this week? Uh, mostly I've been playing Pathfinder Kingmaker. Okay. I'm actually really mad at Pathfinder Kingmaker. You want to talk about a game where you get into auto lose scenarios? I have had to go back on twenty hours of save game time in order to not lose that game. Okay. And it's honestly, I sort of think the it's bullshit that I had to do this. So let me explain this fucking saga to you. Okay. So I'm doing Pathfinder Kingmaker. You've played the actual Kingmaker adventure path. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Did you play all the way to Pytax and um, King Arovetti or whatever? He's like the evil bard who's, you know, like shitting on your kingdom or whatever. Uh, Maybe what what, what we, we we beat this scenario. Um, so I don't like. Is is he the end boss? No, the end boss is like a fae. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, okay. uh, he is just like the king of a rival nation. Okay, right? that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Is it another river kingdom okay. or is it a? Uh... Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, it is yeah. another. It is another river kingdom to like the west of you or whatever. <sighs> okay, so. One of the things that Kingmaker does is it, like, gates your progress. It says you will fail this quest in X number of days if you don't do this thing, right? Um, but unfortunately, um, I was uh, I was sort of, like, put in this no-win scenario. Because basically what it was is, um, you know, I had defeated the boss of, let's call it the, f the first half of the book, which is, like, this barbarian guy, or whatever, right? Um, and then you go to King Iravetti's, you know, tournament. Um, you do all this stuff. He's a huge dick to you. And then he starts, like, attacking your kingdom with, like, propaganda. He's, like, paying these bards to go to your capital city and shit on you. Um, he's paying bandits under the table to, like, raid your towns and villages. Um, monsters are showing up everywhere, and you know that it's, like, related to him or whatever. <coughs> and the, the quest mentions those three particularly right so i go to his lands and i find 
these three places. One of them is the town where all the bards are, right? One of them is this place where this wizard is teleporting in these armored trolls to, like, fuck with you. These are the guys that are doing the monsters. Um, one of them is uh, the 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 camp, the bandit camp, um, where all the bandits are, are taking their, like, ill-gotten gains or whatever, right? When you do those three... You get your your quest updates, and it says the only thing you can do is wait for the opportune moment, right? And so I was like, okay, uh, sure, that's fine. I'll I'll wait. I'll wait for the opportune moment. Um, and I'm just exploring the map. I have a bunch of random spots that I hadn't gone to. I go to these spots. I get a thing for the quest. The quest says you're going to fail this quest in 60 days or whatever. Um, I'm still doing other stuff. I'm just like completely doing other things. Okay. It says Pytax is winning the war. And I'm like, how is Pytax winning the war? I have defeated his, his guys or whatever. Um, but my kingdom is in fucking disarray because while you're at war with Pytax, you're in your kingdom management stuff. You're constantly getting these really tough events sure. and I just couldn't win any of the events. And when you fail events, you lose stats. So your stats are going down. And when your stats hit zero, your kingdom starts like crumbling out from underneath you basically. Um, and when your kingdom is crumbling, <laughs> your stats get even worse. When your stats are low, you have even worse chance of, of right. defeating yeah. these it's, events. It's a that, vicious cycle. Yeah. But, you can turn on a kingdom invincibility mode, which I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I, this is bullshit. Whatever. I'll turn on kingdom invincibility mode. I will build this up later. I just need to figure out what the opportune moment is. Then it literally gets to like four or five days ahead of time. And I was like, when is this event going to fucking proc? And I look it up and there is a completely unrelated quest that has a 60 day timer on it. Right. Where you can do a thing, you can undertake a project um, and doing that quest reveals a secret fourth location that is unrelated to this war that progresses the Irovetti quest or whatever. Um, and at that point, I realized, well, I only have five days before I lose the game because I lose this quest. Right. Um, I just have like no I have no way to do this 60 day thing. I have no way to do this countdown. Um <coughs> <clears throat> I eventually walk all the way back to the beginning of that quest, right? Where uh, where it gives me that countdown, right? And I say, okay, well, it's going to be tight, but I'm going to be able to do the project. I'm going to I'm gonna get this location. I'll do the location. Then I'll go fight King Irovetti or whatever. I redo these, oh, this whole 60 days with the thing. And because of how bad the kingdom is doing, I can't even complete the 60 day thing without it. And I was just like, this is, this is the most insane bullshit I've ever had to deal with. So I have now gone all the way back to the beginning before I even go to the tournament that starts off this entire quest chain. Right. Um, which is 24 hours of, uh, I've later looked up the playtime. right. I have lost 24 hours of fucking playtime to do this. Um, and I'm redoing this, this like whole quest from the fucking beginning. <sighs> This game is a lot of fun. I love this game. I would say and I would is, have dropped the game at this point. Like you would not, I would not have. No, I understand. I I wanted to. I actually did drop the game because the reason I'm playing Kingmaker is because I want to play Wrath of the Righteous. Everybody says Wrath of the Righteous is really fun. I've had a bunch of the friends who are playing Wrath of the Righteous. They're saying they're having a really good time. I feel like I understand it better with Kingmaker. I just kind of was like, ah, whatever. I'll do what I want, kind of thing. But with Wrath Wrath of the Righteous, I actually kind of have like a build I want to go. I want to you know like do some specific kind of stuff um, or whatever. Um, 
and I tried to play Wrath of the Righteous, and I was just sitting there in my character select screen, and I was like, I'm never going to be satisfied. I have to be Kingmaker. I, like, this is just killing me that I'm not, that, that I've given up on Kingmaker. So I went back to Kingmaker. That's what I, that's what I figured out. I had to go all the way back to the beginning of the tournament, right? Um, in order to, you know, like, in order to do, in order to, like, do the stupid thing. I want, I want them to make more of these games. I don't know if they are. They have um, said they're not doing, so I, I found out about this because, um, Paizo just announced an Abomination Vaults video game. And I was like, yeah, I heard oh, about that. yeah. And it's apparently it's going to be an ARPG because Alcat's doing Warhammer 40k games now or something like that. Exclusively? That, that is, that, that is what one of the other guys in my D&D or my Pathfinder playgroup said. Um, I didn't know that they're doing Warhammer 40k Rogue Trader, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, it's good. Like I don't, I don't play Kingmaker. And I don't play. I won't, I won't play Kingmaker, and I won't play uh, Wrath of the Righteous, and I won't play um, Abomination Vaults because I've played all of those games, um, like on the tabletop. And it's just like I don't yeah. want to do that again. I already did that, right? I did the better version of that. Um, well, I, to be fair, um, I have enjoyed. I've also played Kingmaker. I ran Kingmaker, um, but I've enjoyed it quite a lot because one of the things that Kingmaker does that's interesting is it weaves the story together sort of better than a. Um, I don't want to say better, sort of better in in like a more in a more, you know you know how in a tabletop RPG like the book says written can't account for player. Yeah, player characters, right? Th this allows you to do that, right? All of the companions have stories and side quests or whatever that tie into the events of the game in, in a really satisfying way. I, I, w I wouldn't say better. It's just different, right? Right. You know, like, no, it's, I, it's a, it's my Kingmaker game. Right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, my, like, I loved my Kingmaker game, obviously, um, and I'm, like, proud of my Kingmaker game, but um, I would probably do Hell's Rebels, right, if they did Hell's Rebels, um, even though I'm also very proud of my you, Hell's Rebels You fucking game. ruined um, me on Barzillai Throne. Like, like, oh, uh, you, he, he was, he, like, featured fairly prominently in one of the, in, we, I'm playing the first Adventure Path, um, which is um, Age of Ashes, and, uh, uh, like the third book is in Kintargo, right? Like post revolution. No. Right. And like this stuff happens with Barzla. I'm like, oh, that guy that is like, no, that's not what happened. I'm like, fuck. Right. Like, yeah. No, Barzlai, Barzlai Thrun in the books is very uh, basic. Yeah. I mean, he has an interesting motive. Actually, the thing I keyed into was this motivation. Right. No, I think the thing that he wants. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that he wants is to like leave a legacy or whatever, right? That's the reason why he's so. Um, like why he wants to to break away because he watched his family get snuffed out because in Chiliax, right? Like if you offend the family, they'll just they'll like they'll cut you out of history or right. whatever, right? Um, and we never even and this this is the other thing that's so painful. We never actually even played the final uh, like mega dungeon that I designed for for Hell's Rebels. But the point of that mega dungeon is that Barzilith Rune sort of makes the ultimate heroic sacrifice because he makes a deal with. Um, uh, God, what is he called in that? Not Abadar. It's just which, which Asmodeus, God? right? Oh, Asmodeus, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he makes a deal with Asmodeus where he does get he he, he does get his fame, right? That like the only thing he wants is to be is to be famous, right? Um, and so he sells his soul to Asmodeus to give the party the chance to get out of hell because you guys had walked. You know, you had you had brought the army and fought up to 
um, the capital city of Chilayax, right? And then the leader of Chilayax like sprung this crazy trap because she made an insane deal with Asmodeus and Barzillai essentially makes a counter deal where he sacrifices himself. He's going to, he sacrifices his soul in perpetuity, but he is forever going to be, you know, the person who broke Chilayax over his back because he gave you guys the opportunity to escape hell and escaping hell is the mega dungeon, right? Um, but all that stuff is just like, that was on me. That's not in the book or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would love to, I, I, the one I've always wanted to do is Hell's Vengeance, which is the <laughs> the evil campaign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <coughs> that like takes place after um, Hell's Rebels. Um, but uh, wow, that's interesting. I can't believe they brought him back. Well, so it's not him. It's like, so Kintargo is not doing 100% great post-revolution okay. because like, there's, like, corruption. But, like, these, like, ghosts of Barzillai 3 just kind of appear and are, like, stalking the streets. And everybody's like, what the fuck? Right? Like, um, and it's, 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 um, it's, like, a ploy by the, the big bad of the AP, right? Which is just, like, a bunch of, like, people who are trying to bring back the evil dragon god, I think, right now are fighting undead there's like a whole like th th there's some cool lore right like there's this city um there's this dwarven city where like the orcs tried to starve out the city and they did and then like seven something like you know so many days after the orcs starve out the city and everybody in the city dies they all just rise up and drive the orcs out as undead right and so there's like this undead kingdom underneath and like a set of dwarves have carved out a piece of the southern part and right now the party spoilers for Age of Ashes. Um, uh, the, like my party is dealing with this this undead king. Is like I will make a deal with you, right? Like you, I need you need me. I need you, because um, other undead are trying to like siphon off his undead forces. So, <coughs> but it's uh, you know, um, it's, it's it's a cool story. Um, I mean, the game's a cool yeah. game. Um, Actually, that's an interesting. Man, I am I am now super depressed that Alcat is not doing more of these because I feel like there are a bunch of APs that I I would want to do along these lines, right? <laughs> Skull and Shackles, right? Yeah. Would be a great one. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Skull and Shackles would be hard because how do you deal with water? How do you deal with underwater stuff, right? Yeah, I mean you'd you'd have to deal with that from like the ground. You'd have to build the system with that. Um, you know, that actually sounds like a good thing for like a second or third game, right? Is like, you yeah. know, you just take the frame of the first game and then you, you spend your time building the underwater systems. Um, speaking, speaking of, yeah, I mean, I guess that's sort of what they did with Wrath, right? Because they put the mythic rules yeah. and the crusade rules kind of on top or whatever. Like, you could sort of do that with the rebellion, I guess. Like, there's the, that rebellion subsystem from Hell's Rebels or, or whatever. Um, I would actually kind of be interested because like some of the more straightforward APs, like there's that one about that hobgoblin army that I was like pumped for, but it turned out to kind of just be like straightforward and suck um, where, you know, you, it's just like you're playing this war, this like war story, but there's really not a lot more to it than just like killing a gazillion hobgoblins. Um, uh, God, man, what was it called? It's like the ironclad invasion or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, iron brow, maybe or iron, iron. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, now, I, now, now, like, I want to look it up. Uh, did they restart the numbering on... Uh, on what? The, um, the APs? The APs when they got to second edition? How did that work? Yeah, so um, once second edition started, like, the timeline moves forward, right? Essentially, as of the start of second edition, like, all of the events of the previous APs have happened, right? Like, this is why... 
um, you know, Age of Ashes is post Kintargo, right? Like post post the um, uh, the revolution, right, or the rebellion. Um, uh, the, it, it like um, everything is assumed to have ended in um, you know have resolved itself in them. It, it moves. It's been moving forward since I think. Um, but uh, I think they re- I I think they they restarted the numbering. Maybe I uh, I'm not super sure. Um, it's a different set of rules. Yeah, too. Iron Gods, Giant Slayer, Hell's Rebels, Hell's Vengeance, Strange Iron Fang Invasion. Yeah, there we go. Is that is makes what sense. It is called. Yeah. Um, and then Age of Ashes. Okay, is the first of the second edition Adventure yeah. Paths. Interesting. Um, yeah, because I remember there's like a bunch in here that I always thought were like sweet, right? Um, uh, so like Serpent Skull, for instance, the one where you're in the jungles, um, you're looking for this like crazy artifact. It's like a like a like an Indiana Jones kind of story. Um, you know, Jade Regent is one that everybody really likes. Um, uh, you know, Shattered Star is one that people talk about. I don't know. I just think they like. There's a lot of cool. There's a lot of cool stuff. I agree. Yeah. Um, have you speaking of Pathfinder? Have you heard about the remasters? Okay, so I have heard about the remasters, but you described them in a way that I found very interesting, and I need to know more. Um, so, so you said that it's like three point five. So I don't. So there is the <coughs> maximally cynical take, and like so, they say it is not like everything's backwards compatible. It's not major rule changes. The maximally cynical take is that there are significant enough rule changes that everybody's going to want to buy the new books, right? Like that, you know, you do, like they, they say, they say they're going to give the subscribers an option to skip the re, the remaster books, but like there's enough changes that you're probably not going to want to do that. And, um, it's significant enough that it's like not quite, maybe, maybe 2.25 is a better way to put it. But like, there's lots of like little changes. First of all, they're carrying out everything that could be in the SRD because part of the motivation for this is a clean break from the OGL, um, for the new thing, the ORC, um, because Wizards is a bunch of shitheads. Um, part of this, um, I, my read is like alignment is being pulled out of the game. Um, my read on no, the, yeah, that's awful. My my that. read on this is because they think that you know the 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 classic grid is IP enough that Wizards could come after them for it if they wanted to. Um, but like. Uh, they're still going to have Holy Unholy, and it's going to be more based on Edicts and Anathemas. Like, there's too much in there for, like, them to, like, really pull it out. Because, like, Abadar is, like, lawful neutral, right? Like, it's, like, that's his whole deal, right? Like, um, so they have to acknowledge it in some way, but I think they're just pulling out, like, the, the, the thing. My, my claim is that they're doing this specifically despite me because I want the neutral champions, and they never came out with them, and now they don't need to ever come out with them. Um, but oh that's mostly God. a joke. Um, like lawful neutral, lawful neutral, neutral, true neutral, champion. chaotic neutral. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, wow, that sucks. Yeah, um, that sucks so bad. <laughs> um, but uh, what what else is there? Like, there's some stuff that I think are some changes that I think are good. Right, rogues get all martial weapons. Wizards get all simple weapons. They get rid of the weird like legacy things. There are no more ability scores. It's just bonuses, which is I'm eh on. Right, so instead of having like. You know, strength of yeah. 12, bonus plus one. You just have the bonus of plus one. Um, so a, a belt of giant strength just increases your strength mod by plus one, plus two, plus three? Uh, theoretically, but there haven't been belts yeah. of giant strength. Um, they got rid of the big six in 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 uh, in PF2E base. Okay. So 
Um, like you like getting uh, you don't really get stats from uh, from items um, because they were way too mandatory for like builds. Yeah. Um, uh, what else? Um, like apparently they're redoing focus points. Apparently they're buffing certain spells. Um, let me see if I can find uh, what are what are focus points. So um, certain classes, certain casting classes, or like hybrid classes. Um, you can, you get a spell that you can cast, um, like it's, it's a, you know, the spell cost, it, you get a focus point, you can cast it, and if you spend 10 minutes, you get your focus point back. Um, so it's kind of like rechargeable spells. Um, and then there's okay. ways to grow the focus pool, but you can never have more than three of them. They said they're going to make them better. Um, let me see if, if, uh, do, do it's in, be in this chat. Uh, do. I mean, I've, I've got a list of somebody summarized the thing off of a stream. Uh, do uh, um, they are changing how dragons work because I think chromatic, um, was it chromatic metallic is two two wizards IP. IP. So yeah. it's gonna gonna be like dragon families, which could be neat. Um, there are two core rulebooks or there are two player core rulebooks um, that are gonna come out in tandem, and it seems like somebody somebody one of my. Um, work friends that was looking at this figured out that like all the things that have dragon related abilities are in the second core rulebook because they probably need more time to figure that out um what is it um uh like gnolls are being renamed to colo k-h-o-l-o which is like uh, purely for srd reasons um uh, do, do uh Good and evil damage are now holy and unholy. Um, spell levels are now spell ranks, which is just like a terminology change. Like some of it's little, some of it's more, more significant. And I think we're all waiting to kind of see exactly how significant it's all going to be. Um, but you know, we'll see. I guess. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I don't know. It sounds interesting. It sounds my, so. My, my take personally. My, my take personally is that. They're not worried about the people like me who play a lot of PF2E and, like, will stay subscribed, right? They're worried about, you know, the 10,000 people who just abandoned D&D to play PF2E only for, like, Pies to be like, surprise, new books in six months, right? Like, you know. Yeah. Um, but that is that is my – I have no obvious – I have no special information on this. This is my, um, you know, read of things. Um We'll see, I guess. We'll see. Yeah, I could definitely see the legal thing makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, I think that underpins all of it, right? Getting, like, I feel like Paizo just had to look at that and they had to go, oh my god, right? Like, I didn't realize how fragile our company is because we're kind of relying on the good graces of this other, you know, sort of like super predator corporation yeah to not fuck with us you know what i mean it, you know, it's just like very like uh-oh you know yeah. uh, I mean, and, so and, and to be fair right like <coughs> the, the like because you know i follow a lot of like legal podcasty type stuff and like the the one week where the two worlds collided right it was like a bunch of people being like actually wizards probably doesn't have a strong claim to any of this right like the ogl probably like you probably don't need the ogl to use a lot of like this kind of more generic stuff but like yeah the other part of this too is like you know 
even if ultimately it's frivolous, right? Wizards could sue Paizo, and like Paizo would have to like fight it in court, which is expensive. And like you know, Wizards is owned by Hasbro, right? Like yep. Hasbro has like a ton of money, um, which Paizo even don't has a successful game is not. You know, like they would need like somebody from like the Electronic fin- fin- uh, Frontier Foundation or somebody to like do pro bono work for them, which you know, who knows if that would happen or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, something that is I don't the, something that's interesting is a lot of these companies don't see themselves as companies um, like toy companies anymore, right? They see themselves as media companies. Um, this is true for Mattel. It's true for Hasbro. Um, but like, yeah, the idea that has Hasbro has this idea in its head that it's not a toy company anymore. It is an IP company, right? Like they own the like their core product are these valuable IPs, um, like Transformers or you know whatever else, right? D and D. And I think in that frame, it makes a lot of sense to kind of be spooked. <laughs> by their approach to some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, well, they, yeah. they give away the bag, right? Like, you know, it's like yeah. basically Hasbro saw like, you know, Critical Role, Dimension 20, right? Like all of these like big actual plays, like, you know, obviously, you know, they're not like, you know, you know, multi-million dollar properties or anything, but they're making good money and Hasbro is seeing none of it, right? Like other than kind of like, you know, secondary sales caused by people who are interested in the game. Um, they're like, we, we want us some of that, right? Like we, we, you know, we built this, you know, um, I mean, I've been waiting for that. Man, we talked about this before. I've been waiting for that shoe to drop when it comes to Twitch streaming, uh, for a long time. Uh, because technically it's a very similar situation, right? Where, um, gaming publishers technically have the right to revoke your access to, stream their games right but just kind of no one has stepped on the landmine because it would nuke you in kind of the same way that it nuked hasbro right um i, I mean some in terms some into japanese developers do step on that landmine right like that was a big thing about yeah I, that's 5, true yeah right like persona 5 <laughs> famously they were like you like the streaming restrictions were so strict that like you basically couldn't play the game on stream and everyone was like well fuck i guess you know we're not playing this, right? And like some of some of it's like kind of like shooting the foot type stuff because it's like you know, advertising that's like not happening. Um, I had a really spooky conversation with somebody actually where uh, they were talking about um, restricting access for specific streamers. Uh, well, that, that happened because, like, oh, did that happen? So Firewatch specifically banned PewDiePie from like streaming their game. <laughs> oh, you're right. That's true. That's interesting. When was that? This was like years ago at this point. This is when PewDiePie was still like no, I know. a big enough thing that that yeah. was a thing. No, I had I had a whole conversation. I had a whole conversation with a developer who was asking my opinion on something. Um, they were kind of worried about bad actors in their community. And uh, here we go. Let me sw- swap into my professional voice for a second. Um, I was essentially consulting, not like officially or anything like that. But they were, we were just talking about this. They were like building up their their Discord server. Um, you know, I have a series of blogs that are published that are about uh, the way that I run the Aquapara server, the way that I constructed that server. And so they just want a little bit of my time to talk about some of this stuff. Um, and they were really talking a lot about like, oh, I think of certain streamers as being really harmful, negative people who I don't want to be associated with my, my title. Um, you know, what, like, do you ever restrict 
your access because someone is bad. Yeah. Whatever. Um, and I basically said no. Right there. I think I think there's a lot of. Um, I don't know. I want to like. I want to put this a certain way, but it makes me sound like really conservative. <laughs> there's a certain overcorrection, I guess, in terms of bad actors and bad actions that happens on the ground uh, when it comes to certain Do you know uh, the developers Jordan who quote? don't. Ha- What's the Michael Jordan quote? Republicans buy shoes too. Oh well, no, it's not even about that. It's just about like it's easy if you're if you're a first time indie developer, you you haven't built a community before, right? You get spooked by some of the stories about or like the ways in which gamers, let's say gamers with a capital G, <coughs> get talked about or reported on sure. or any of these yeah, sorts yeah. of things. And I was just like, I like listen, I've like never had to ban someone in the Aquapara server because they've been racist or whatever right like the kind of communities that your game attracts are going to be related to the kinds of game that you are you're not going to get a bunch of alt-right people who are like gonna come play your like whatever um your pony simulator and so like it is sort of just this it's this like fanciful problem it's not practical it doesn't happen in reality um and uh and part of that i was just like like they were talking they were talking about this thing i was just like i i guess I, i i would understand I wouldn't want, you know, I don't know who's like the most ontologically evil person I could possibly think Hitler. of. Right. Yeah. Like I wouldn't want Hitler. Sure. I wouldn't want fucking Hitler streaming Mutazione or whatever. Right. But the reality is that like indie games are just like that. You don't have the penetration in order to get any of like the, the modern people say like Nick Fuentes. Right. Everybody, everybody fucking hates Nick Fuentes. Um, he would never play your game on stream. So it's like, wh- why would you even worry about this? It doesn't, it doesn't matter, right? The kinds of people who you think are dangerous, even if you had them on an email list, they would not open your email and read it. Because it's just like, you're just not batting that caliber, right? The kinds of people that you're batting cal- caliber are going to be like small indie game variety streamers, of which there are many, and of which I think, are really helpful and I have really good relationships with a lot of them. Right. Um, but like, these are just like not people who are like you, you who you would expect to be bad or whatever. Anyway, I had, the, I had that like whole conversation <coughs> and they were talking about it like legally. They were like, yeah, like I, I know like I can enforce my license. And I was like, I don't know why you ever would even get into this situation, right? Like it just wouldn't, it just like wouldn't happen. Uh, but like, sure. Yeah. If you don't want Asmongold or someone um, to, to play your fucking game, I guess, technically speaking, you could. God, it feels know, like it's also a dangerous can of worms to open, right? Like, you know, you ban somebody who's like, you know, you know, cause like, like you said, Nick, Nick Fuentes, Hitler is not playing your game. Right. But like you play someone yeah. who's like, you know, um, the person that comes to mind is like Seth Tzinch, right? Like YouTuber does edgy-ish content, right? Like you ban him because he's like too tasteless for you, right? It's like, well, then, you know, somebody in your community is going to be like, why don't you ban this person who is arguably worse in a slightly different way that you don't have a problem with? But then it's like, you know, you, you open yourself up to that kind of criticism and that kind of, you know, you just kind of like let it go. And it's like, I think people pay less attention to it, right? Like nobody complains that like, you know, I don't know. Uh, 
you know, the quartering plays Magic the Gathering or whatever, right? Like, you know. Yeah, yeah. No one blames Hasbro for that, right? <laughs> Republicans buy shoes, too. That's, that's yeah. actually pretty funny. Um, all things to I just feel like they, you know, like, nobody. I don't know. I don't know. Like, Rain World. Is Arahe. <laughs> <coughs> Wait, who are we talking about? Arahe said, I want to make a, a band just Anish Kapoor joke here, but I don't know who Anish Kapoor is. Shit, am I supposed to know who that is? Is that a college humor person? Anybody. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Anyway, go on. Sorry, um, I didn't interrupt you. No, sure. It, yeah, it's just like this This stuff to me is like not super practical. Honestly, a lot of these things kind of like regulate themselves also, right? Uh, for instance, rain, the Rainworld community is like this. Rainworld community is a, a lot of young kids pretty left-leaning right um there's a lot of lgbt acceptance in that community and i think that that stuff is great right um and like there have been people who have come to these games actually mutation is a better example of this right mutation the protagonist is explicitly bi um and there are there are people who will post on like the steam discussions forums to be like how woke is this game and it's like the protagonist is bi she talks about having a crush on another girl right and it's like that person that that's that person doesn't buy the game so it's just like to me it's all this kind of stuff is a non-issue um but you know hey it comes up uh i i've had even spookier conversations with bigger people than than uh than this about blacklists uh which i think are very weird and bad uh but you know it's a thing like we'll blacklist we blacklist people for breaking embargoes, um, but I would I would basically never blacklist someone based on you know kind of like ancillary political stuff. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna I'm not even gonna like push this any further because I don't I don't want to get into it. But like, it'd be it, yeah, it would be interesting to see like <coughs> if kind of like the culture war around film and television ever like got to games in a way such that like you know. You know, ex political personality opened an explicitly like conservative or explicitly like you know socialist. Um, I get. I mean, I guess you might consider the what was the the people who did um people who did disco Elysium. Yeah, um, which funnily enough got like bought out by like their like there was there's a whole controversy there about like them being bought. yeah they got they got like uh, they got vultured out by a bunch of venture capitalists or something. Well, the. the that's the story, and I—that uh, is not real information. Nobody believe me. That is just like the—I have not done yeah, the yeah. research on this, uh, th but that's just like what Twitter says. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. The, uh, yeah. The, my, my understanding is that like, and again, again, don't, don't, don't quote me on this either, right? Is that like you know they got venture capital like with a handshake agreement that they wouldn't exercise uh, creative control, and then when the game blew up, they're like, oh, we would like to, you know. Like you know, pull 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 some of this control that are like the person who initially gave them the capital sold their interest to somebody who did was not contractually you know because it was a handshake agreement is not like bound by those types of things um, something yeah. like that is is what I think happened um, yep um, but you know point point being is like you know that 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 could happen the thing to, to bring it back to the original point about like you know streaming rights it's like I'm surprised somebody like EA hasn't tried to like get Amazon. And Google, we can get this closer. I, I work for Google, but not in any rel relevant capacity. Um, to like, like broadly license their products, right? Um, or like you know, some sort of like revenue sharing model, right? Like you know, I could see a being like, if Twitch, if you want to stream our games, right, you have to give us X percent cut of the ad revenue, or something oh, like that. Oh, no way! 
That's really interesting. I don't think they have the leverage. It's yeah. because um, the platformer protections, right? Like you, you, you are not liable for what people do on your platform if you make a good faith effort to police it, right? And so I don't think that they have the leverage to actually make a demand of Google because Google's argument would be, well, if you want to restrict your copyright, if you want to exercise your license and kind of restrict how people play this game, that's fine. Send us DMCA's. Right. We will honor them. Right, right, right. No, no, no. And, and, like, I think that's one way it could go. But, like, like I think they could absolutely do that. I'm surprised yeah. there ha like somebody hasn't tried. And maybe they have, right? Like, we wouldn't – neither of us would be privy to these conversations. I right? mean, to be honest, the thing that I'm surprised about is that, like, Amazon – uh, it would be the best example of this. Like Microsoft has been in this space for like long enough, but like you know how like big companies like make make <coughs> make kind of inroads to um, you know like big gaming studios or whatever. Yeah. Like you can imagine a world when New World was coming out, when all these Amazon Studio games were kind of like coming out, where like Amazon kind of walks into this because they're not a gaming company; they're sort of a tech company that is like stepping into this space for the first time and i could easily see some you know like see you know c-suite guy go there's a bunch of money we're leaving on the table here by not exercising our our right to license to all of these streamers or whatever we should enforce it right and like people who have been in the industry for long enough right like if you're at ea activision you know whatever you know that that's t a dumb idea right. but like you could you could imagine a world in which like some some guy is like a dipshit because he just doesn't know he doesn't know the space and he makes like d some stupid decision um, uh, along those sorts of lines. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I mean the, the, the reason I think it might be, it might be so like, again, I, I need to be careful <laughs> um, about certain <coughs> things, but like, let's say that another major streaming platform ever threatened Twitch's dominance as like sure like kick for instance you know about kick yeah sure kick right that's definitely yeah. the one i was thinking of um uh was um like ever threatened twitch's dominance i could see say like nea or like you know an activision blizzard under the ownership of microsoft um if that ever happens right um uh doing something like hey we'll give twitch we'll give you the exclusive streaming rights for a cut of the ad revenue right like um, uh, yeah, I mean they've done that with in other. It's what killed Hearthstone Esports. Uh, Hearthstone Esports went from Twitch to YouTube and then just fucking like died because nobody watches stuff on myself included, right? Yeah, no, I mean um, it was funny because Hearthstone Esports contract with YouTube ended and they went back to Twitch and they were just and the numbers were the exact same, right? We were watching fifteen thousand viewer streams, right, for Hearthstone Esports four years ago. Um, the contract expires in the first Masters Tour that is on Twitch and not YouTube. Has 15,000 streamers on it, I was, or 50,000 viewers on it. I was like, what a, like, they they must have gotten, they had to have gotten insane money because the numbers on YouTube were like 400, right? Yeah, no, I mean, like, it is, it is weird because like there's like, it's not like there's like a technology reason, right? Like, uh, you know. YouTube streaming works just as well as Twitch streaming. We co-stream this on YouTube. I think we've gotten a grand total of like five viewers. I don't mean in any one stream. I mean like for the entire six months that we have been co-streaming on YouTube, we've gotten like five total viewers, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, it is vaguely within our interest to stream on YouTube, right? Like theoretically. Mostly just makes it easier for archive archiving. No, right? no, not only because archiving, but like there's also like <coughs> you know, 
because of my particular conflicts of interest, right? Like there oh, are sure. things I could do on YouTube that I couldn't do on Twitch, right? Like, yeah. um, um, you know, uh, not, not that, you know, we stream enough to be partnered in any environment, but, uh, yeah. Um, uh, but like, you know, that it's like, it's, it's, in, it, it, it is incredible to me. And, but like, you know, no one like really watches VODs that much on Twitch either. Right. It's like, you know, the model is you stream on Twitch and then you export the VODs to YouTube and the people who want to watch it, watch it, you know, uh, in the VOD form, watch it on YouTube. It's crazy. Right. Like, no, that is exactly Well, So this is exactly awesome my thing, right? It is, right. Like, yeah, like you, I remember I was having this argument, I think, with Zhao of all people, right, where someone was talking about how social media companies have a have a monopoly. But I don't think that that's true. Right. The monopoly of Facebook doesn't exist because there's no other competitor. To Facebook It's because competitors to Facebook have to remix the 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 fundamental formula in order to be successful and break through. Right. Nobody does the core functionality of the Facebook platform better than Facebook. But the reason that Twitter or Instagram or Reddit take off as rival social media companies is because they are doing something fundamentally a little bit different. Right. right. Um, and I think that's the thing. No one is going to beat Twitch at Twitch's game. Right. But you could beat Twitch, for instance, in the, in the way that YouTube beats Twitch by being the better video hosting for like long form video content, right? Rather than live streaming, right? And those are both video platforms that are in competition with one another, but one of them does one thing, one of the other does the other thing, and they're that's just kind of like the world in which they the two of them operate, right? Um, this is like when Discord, when Discord was doing their streaming stuff, I had a call with a guy with the Discord guy, <coughs> and we were talking about it, and I asked him, I was like, you know, like, what is the purpose of these Discord streams, right? Like, is the idea that I'm going to be co-streaming to multiple other locations? And he was like, no, like, I, we don't want to, we don't want to try and do Twitch, but better, right? YouTube, but better. We want to facilitate this thing that nobody has a good answer for, which is I'm a friend and I want, and I'm playing with a couple of other friends. We're all in voice together and I want to show them what I'm doing in game before you know because there's there are the five of us are playing league of legends the sixth person is out we used to do this on twitch right where you would stream to the one true mango on twitch and it wasn't for anybody right it was just for us because there were a couple of people in discord and we wanted certain people to be able to follow along discord would eventually move into that space and now discord streams are how that how that happens right and i feel like that's the only way that this kind of stuff happens in social media which is sort of unfortunate because i want someone to make a better twitter than twitter um but like hey, blue sky exists like, they implemented blocks yeah, i mean so did iglesias got flamed immediately uh oh yeah i do remember that yeah that was like a week um, ago um did you do you have a do you have an invite to blue sky no i have because they're still doing like open betas yeah whatever, i mean right? i have no particular in, like I have no particular interest in uh, Blue Sky or like Mastodon or any of the alternative platforms, right? Like, my kind of yeah. Neither do I. My kind of attitude is just, like, if Twitter dies, it'll probably be better for me overall. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, like, <clears throat> I don't know. I just I I hate a lot of the I like I hate verified on Twitter. I think that shit is <laughs> dumb. Um, oh man, I, I have. I don't know if you want to get into this now, but like, I, I have I have thoughts about like the verification thing on Twitter, um, just because like what 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 are your thoughts? Oh, so like, I think, I think Elon was fundamentally right 
that the Twitter verification was a status symbol, but it only works as a Veblen good, right? It only works if it's rare. And the moment you let somebody pay for it, it loses all of its status, right? Like he thought, oh, he, sure. he, thought yeah. he could monetize... He thought he could monetize the status, but the only thing he monetized was the check mark itself, right? Like, you no, know, I I had this conversation with another game developer, right, where he was he was like apologizing, he was like hiding from people because you know he has the blue check mark or whatever, and he was explaining it to me. He was like, I have the blue check mark because the blue check mark includes features that are important to me. I can edit tweets, I can write longer tweets, right? I can you know like the, my my file uploading for for like movies or whatever is like increased. And it's like, I would pay, I would pay for this service, right? I like these additional features. But the way that Elon talks about what Twitter or whatever it is, Twitter verification is, is, is not an actual sales pitch to anyone, right? It's not like he's saying, hey, these are the cool things you are getting for Twitter Blue. He's just like... He frames it in this thing where it's like, I'm bringing power to the people, you know, oh, it shouldn't only be the elites that have the checkpoint. It's like, who the fuck cares about that? That's like the worst sales pitch for your product ever. Um, so, uh, I mean, the I, I agree with you that it's a bad sales pitch, but I think people did care. Like, I think there's been like a lot of kind of like revisionism in the past couple, like past month or so. Right. Like people did care about it for a while. Right. Like, be, when, but that was when it was like an actual mark of significance, right? The moment you start yeah. selling, it stops being that, right? Like, um, uh, cause like, it's like, you know, you see a blue chip it's like, oh, this person is of some notoriety and significance. And then like part of the scam there was that like, you know, pre Elon, essentially, if you were in a newsroom of a major news organization, they had a process that you could get a check mark, even if you were like, you know, a once a month contributor, right? Type of deal. Yeah. Um, and weren't that, but you know, that's neither here nor there. I just, I just, I just it's just, it's just interesting, right? Cause like, I think Elon's instinct was correct, but like his implementation was like you you can't sell it right like or, or it just yeah. loses value immediately, um, you know. But you got to do something <laughs> when you paid a million dollars for like yeah forty four billion dollars in the hole or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I will eat those memes up all day long. Like what a fucking moron. I don't know. Like it's funny because wow, well, whatever. Why don't we, we don't need to talk about Elon Musk? How do we get some dirt talk about social media tech companies fucking marketing strategies, yeah, right? It, like <laughs> it's uh it's vaguely related. Um I've yeah. been seeing I've been seeing a lot of ads for Paradox games on uh on um uh on Twitter. Um, to bring it back to games. Well, the new Solaris DLC is coming out, yeah. right? And also Age of uh, the other one, just, Age of Wonders? Yeah, Age of Wonders 4. Age of Wonders 4 just came out like yesterday, I think. Um, yeah. And Crusader Kings has a second season that's rolling out. Um, yeah, the, the tournaments one yeah, is yeah. the thing that they're doing now. Uh, yeah, I'm really interested in the new Stellaris DLC because uh, they're revamping like leaders um, in sort of the vein of Crusader Kings, where they're, they're a little bit more kind of like characters you level up, have stats, which I think is a great choice. Um, like, if there's any, honestly, if there's anything that Total War Warhammer 3 did that improved on the Total War formula, in my opinion, it is giving you a char like characters to get attached to um, by introducing these sort of RPG mechanics. Like, the older Total War games had pieces of this, uh, but it just like wasn't as robust a system yeah um but it actually matters to me quite a lot right uh and i think it'll matter quite a lot in in stellaris as well so I'm, yeah i'm excited for that i would say I, I think the magic for total war like would happen is like you know because right now those characters are all like typically like you know 
significant lore characters from like the Warhammer universe, correct? So some of them are, yeah, but I'm, I just mean on a on a normal scale, okay. right? Um, like every time, like so for instance, uh, you when you recruit a general, that general still has forty skill points to right. like, okay. level yeah, up yeah, with, yeah. right? Um, and uh, and you can make them immortal, right? So your your highest level generals, you can keep them around. Um, they don't they don't. You know, even if they die, they just get wounded and can kind of come back into the pool. Um, you can specialize. You're like, this is always the kind of thing that I always uh, get attached to, right? It's like you specialize a general in this kind of an army, right? Um, or, uh, you know, and, and like you take them and they go and do wonderful things for you when they when they attack um enemy settlements that kind of that kind of a thing do you know what i mean yeah no i so the thing that you made me think of immediately is like when does the patent on shadow of mordor run out because i want that fucking nemesis system in another game like any other game um because yeah. I, I think they i think they, they patented the system um only yeah they did i will uh do they do extra damage to armored units when they are immortal is that a starcraft 2 reference are you making StarCraft two references in my like, chat, bud? That, that is that is definitely a reference that Charles would make. Probably like five years or so. Yeah. Yes. Good. I'm glad. I mean, I have been playing a lot of StarCraft two. Uh, I'm all the way through Heart of the Swarm. I've almost beaten Heart of the Swarm um, at this point. God, what a game! <sighs> I love these StarCraft games so much. Um, I don't know. Eventually, I will. I will beat. I think I'm on the second to last mission. You know, invading Core Hall so you can take down Emperor Mengsk. But yeah. Anyway, Starcraft. I think I think we're pretty over time. Yeah, we're pretty so. over time. Um, if you'd like to email us about any of the things we talked about on this podcast, you can email subversivegames@gmail.com or podcast@subversivegames.com. You can follow us at twitch.tv/subversivegames for these go out live that are you at or youtube.com at subversivegames. Um, uh, that's everything. Or you know, we've got great reviews, all that stuff. Um, that's everything I've got. But do you have anything you're looking to promote? Uh. No, I guess I don't have anything looking to promote. I guess outside of the fact that we just like sort of promoted Zoeti this yeah, whole time yeah, this by talking about by talking about this game. Play Zoeti; it's a lot of fun. Stream Zoeti <laughs> on YouTube. Make us both. Yeah. Die. Yes. <laughs> um, sorry, Charles. Um, uh, <coughs> uh, I would say with that until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners. <laughs>